Real quick before we start the show, Pacific Bitcoin is going to be awesome. November 10th and 11th, Santa Monica, California. Do hope to see you there. You can go to PacificBitcoin.com to buy tickets. Use promo code CAFE for a discount. In the words of Michael Saylor, it is going to be the Bitcoin event of the year. VIP gets you into everything, including the VIP party as well as the VIP rap party. Of course, GAA gets you all kinds of cool stuff as well, and there's going to be plenty of events and things to do. I hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. So we're making arrangements for Pacific Bitcoin. We're going to be doing this live uh, on Thursday and Friday from the cafe area of Pacific Bitcoin. So there's going to be this cafe area, cafe area that's right in the middle of the venue. I guess if, when you walk in, there's going to be like um, sponsor booths and art and all that other kind of stuff. And then in the middle, there's going to be like a cafe area. And then there's going to be like the main seating area. And it's going to be right there. We're going to do it at the regular time. Um, we're going to be doing it live, though, uh, with myself and aunt and uh peter i believe is going to be there as well so we're going to do that with peter if you are a super regular like wicked or anybody else who is up here on the regular and you're going to be at the pacific bitcoin conference and you want to come do it live with us shoot me a dm um i will get you a general admission ticket comped we can't handle all that other stuff but if you want to do that we would love to have you guys there too. What else is going on? Um, hey, <laughs> this is episode 200. Good morning. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin, episode 200. Boom. Cafe Bitcoin is now 22 days away. Uh, fountain shout outs from Cactus Coins. Good show. Thanks, bro. <laughs> awesome. How's everybody doing today? Doing great, doing great Alex. Alex. Awesome. 200, 200 shows. It's crazy. Right? It's pretty wild. What a journey. It's changed how a is, lot. How is everybody doing great every morning? It just seems like, okay, I'll be the guy. I'm not doing great this morning. I haven't had enough fucking coffee. <laughs> um, I'm still staring at my screen. I'm still trying to wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Go fuck yourself. Resident grumpy man. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, I generally wake up in a good mood. And sometimes, I mean, it's purposeful. You have to make that decision. I mean, you can start your day off in negative mood like Peter. How long does that take to shake off? 
it, it's or you not can get true. Two feet it's on not the floor. that I start my day off in a negative mood. It's that I wake up. I, t- I actually start positive. I wake up and I take an inventory of all my joints that don't hurt. It's a short yeah. list, but it's a positive I thought, mood. I thought you were going to say a different type of joint. I call it being a moldy muffin, Peter. Oh, get man. two How feet on the floor and get started positively. How many of those joints did I smoke last night? Fuck, I gotta take inventory. Oh man, THC hangover is the worst for me. Maybe this is where the East Coast comes in. I'm I'm doing great and a few hours ahead of you guys, so uh, rock and rolling. You guys ready to start the day off with some laughs? So, um, <laughs> Buffett's. I just want to jump right into this stuff. It's too damn funny. I can't stand it. Buffett's, uh, the Buffett-backed digital bank, New Bank, out of Brazil, is is about to launch its own cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, you can't make this shit up. Are they going to call it? Are they going to call it Rat Poison? What are they going to call it? They're going to call it New Decon. Coin. They're going to call coin. it Decon. N-N-U-N-U-C-O-I-N, New Coin. <laughs> Oh my God! Does the shit coinery never end? It's the, just like the let, <laughs> Alex. They should call it Decoin. Oh my goodness! So here's the other funny part. They said they're going to invite two thousand customers to take part in a foreign group for guiding the development of New Coin, aka the pre mine, aka the initial share distribution prior to selling and IPOing the uh, the equity, the unregistered security to the public. I hope we can short this, anyone who's into trading, because uh, we all know where the fuck this is going. Yep. Oh, and guess what? Libra, which apparently never fucking dies. What was that the first thing they came out with? Was it called DM in the beginning? What was it called when they first started? That was, that was the Zuck, the Cuck Zucks. I believe it was Libra and then it went to DM. Okay. So it was Libra first, then DM never fucking dies. They're doing it again. Uh, apparently they just lo- rebranded it and launched it again. It went from $16 to $7 on day one. Oh, <laughs> uh, why do they keep trying? Like it, it's like weeds. They just never die. Right. Like it's just like you spray. Well, they keep like- trying because there's an endless number of idiots out there who will buy their shit. I mean, it's uh. just, it's like a scam factory. And I love how Mark Zuckerberg like keeps trying on the metaverse thing and it just keeps failing. And like the, the, people don't want to live in the metaverse. Like people are just so dumb about it. Like enjoy life. No, nothing's better than life. Like just go outside, touch some gla- grass, hog a tree. Like that's better than anything. Yeah, the dude is like metaverse. Sorry, Alex. I was gonna say the only way the metaverse works is if they they crack like how to actually give you sensory input by somehow tricking your brain that you're actually there. In which case, you're just this is a simulation. But that's the only way it works, right? No one's gonna. So the ma- the shit. matrix. So you want yeah. us to you want us to enslave humans? <laughs> well, I mean, or hey, total recall. May- right? Maybe we're in the matrix already. So who gives a fuck? But like, I'm just saying, like, if you could, you know, if you could take like a nice vacation. The Bora Bora, you could feel like you're in the water. You don't have to spend ten thousand dollars to get there, and you can just do it from the comfort of your couch. I'd do that shit. Like I don't know about you guys, but if you actually felt like you were there, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, you have to take baby steps on the way there. I get that, but the point is, can you actually reach that end state? And 
I mean, maybe you cannot. Like, I, it, it's unsure, right? They're trying to dump billions and billions of dollars to take these little steps and get there incrementally. But, I mean, the end goal is just, you know, I don't know. It's probably decades out if if it will ever be reached at all. How would you How would you know you were there to feel like you were knew you were there if you've never been there? I mean, you 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 hook it up to uh, to neural net. You know, you get the fucking wires in your brain. But but my point so is that is that isn't your brain you. isn't your brain going to rebel at that because you haven't actually been there and so yes. there's conflict and so you're yeah, going to yeah, say, well, hold on, cool. how can I know that I was there? How can I feel Guys, that when I've never been there? Brain, this is I mean, total recall. Know. This is this is total recall, like one hundred percent. Your brain's going to pull from previous memory. And your neurons are going to get triggered based off of that. So if what Wicked is saying is tapping into those senses, you're going to use cellular memory to tap into any type of familiar memory that you have from that. So unless memories are implanted based off of new experiences, like, for example, if somebody wanted to go to a place that had a ton of snow, but they've never been in that type of environment. And so they want to access that from the meta. I would be intrigued as to how they would create that experience. But yeah, your, your brain would have to pull from pre- it's like muscle memory. Pretty, pretty sure That's I would be plan, really yeah. grumpy in the metaverse. Pretty sure. Peter, <laughs> pretty you were sure. always grumpy. Grumpy cat. Grumpy cat. <laughs> no, no, man. You would have no I pain know, in your joints. Scary. You'd have endless coffee. Hey, dude, you'd, you'd love it there if they really cracked it. I mean, does anyone like, else right, get these, I'm, like, does, I was going to say, does anyone else get these these phantom memories, like, where you, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I, I dreamt it, right? Like, I have, like, these memories where I'm like, I'm, I don't think I've actually experienced that, but I think I may have dreamt it a couple of times. Yeah, that's yeah. what Lauren's talking about. Cellular memory. Yeah, that's happened to me. Hmm. Hey, Alex, uh, the the these uh, B- Bitcoin beginner Q and A uh, days are the best, man. We always talk about like the most random stuff, and it it's always about like sci fi and like futuristic stuff. <laughs> you guys did this. I'm not going to take credit for that. Uh, JP Morgan rolled out his own coin too. Remember that the JPM coin. Uh. All these shit coins. What anybody heard of JPM coin lately? I haven't heard shit. Speaking of them, Alex, you may have it on your list, but I just read this morning that they also hired a former Celsius exec to head up their digital oh, asset. Oh yeah. Division. <laughs> That's right. And, oh my God. Let's 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 find the best crook, the most successful crook in the industry to head up this division. You can't make that shit up. And, and maybe maybe that's answering my question, and and maybe I missed it. But what is what was uh, Buffett's coin solving for, and and what would be the plan yeah. with the J.P. Morgan coin? It, the, they were trying to create a USD stable coin, basically, okay. but apparently nobody used it. <laughs> it's the fundamental problem, and this is why for people who are new to Bitcoin, sometimes the question comes up: Well, can't you just change it? You know, like a lot of Bitcoiners say, well, you can't change Bitcoin. The fact is you actually can. Anybody can. It's free and open source software. You can take a copy of the code. You can fork it. You can add your own, like whatever you think is cool to it, and then release it to the public. The problem is, right, there's a monopoly board where all of the people who are running the nodes, the validators, all of us, basically, 
play on the Monopoly board. If you release a new Monopoly board with new rules, you're basically saying, okay, this is a better version of Bitcoin. Everybody come play my Monopoly board. And if nobody comes to play Monopoly with you, it's dead on arrival. And that's the reason why you can't change Bitcoin. And likewise, um, you know, if you want to change, you know, Bitcoin, but you want to keep the same rules and maybe you just want to make, you know, like the wallet a little bit more efficient or you want to have, you know, a different uh, connection set up to the, you know, to the, the, the network that you can do. Right. So like this is another misconception that Bitcoin is just one piece of software that, you know, that that everyone runs. There's actually many implementations of the software that all play by the same rules, um, you know, and like one of them that we're all familiar with is Bitcoin Core. But there's many others as well. And as long as you play by the same rules, same fundamental rules, uh, you know, they all they all talk to each other and are part of this larger Bitcoin ecosystem network. All right. A couple of other really quick news items I'd like to hit because I think they were interesting. Then we'll dive into today. We're going to do almost two hours of basically big beginner topics and Q&A kind of stuff. So uh, yesterday, <clears throat> Jack Dorsey, uh, he unveiled his new decentralized social platform uh, with algorithmic choice and portable accounts. So the long-awaited Blue, Blue Sky Social is now accepting users for private beta, Says and they say it's going to launch soon. So here's the deets. <clears throat> um, he announced this originally in December of 2019, uh, and the aim is social media users should have control over their own data and should be able to move it from platform to platform without permission. So that's the first part is, is data privacy is the idea. Um, other features are to include uh, protocol choice. So in other words, and I'm not sure how they're going to do this, but he's basically saying users should be able to select which protocol is used for the algorithm or which algorithm is used to uh, determine what your feed is. And I don't know if he's going to open this up or if this is like an open source thing where anybody can write like write an algorithm and and you can like select it kind of like modding your software or whatever. That would be super interesting if that's the case. I'm not sure, but uh yeah, yeah. This is a direct like 180 change from his kind of the way he was approaching censorship from before. He's basically like um, there's no one company that can decide what gets published. Instead, there's a marketplace of companies deciding what to carry to the audiences. And I think he's going the route of allowing users to choose because I think after <clears throat> his experience with all that shenanigans prior to the 2020 election, I think he's completely about-faced in his views on that. I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, I read a little bit about this too, and it also said something about kind of like what you're talking about, about being able to pick your own indexes, if you will, for certain, I guess, kind of categories maybe of content. So I was pretty encouraged. I signed up for the beta, so we'll see. <laughs> right on. Report back. Let us know. Anybody else? So I wonder if um, now that 
I don't know that now that Twitter is being bought by Elon, like what Twitter is going to become and then what this new um, social media is going to be like. Um, I wonder if like it's going to take off and, and Elon's going to be left with an empty shell of, of, of a company. Um, it's it'd be interesting to see how it develops. Maybe they merge at some point. That that's what that's what I was thinking. I'm like, are they going to merge? Is this part of a grand plan with Jack and Elon? Who knows? Yeah, good questions. I mean, if you take Elon at face value, he basically says he believes in free speech and that they under his if he owns the company. Under his under his authority over the company, they will be very reluctant to either delete anything, censor anything, or or um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, ban accounts, right? So that's what he says. Uh, we'll see what he does. And then the flip side of that, though, is that there's a huge push by governments around the world to basically say you must, by regulatory requirement, have censoring tools in place which is insane that's a there's a big push over in europe right now um so if you're a company like twitter and you have a ton of users over in europe if you do not comply with the with their regulations you basically lose all of those users is what it comes down to it's a it's a conundrum Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I uh, wild. So they just they they would just remove ahead, those users entirely. I mean, I just I think that's just it's wild that they. I I didn't think of it from that perspective, Alex. Like, if you have users over in Europe, and then the government's requiring censorship. It, I mean, that is quite a conundrum to think about. Um, especially when you think about some of the other countries that do have censorship, like over in the Middle East and, and other locations. So um, it, it's it's very interesting to think about when we kind of zoom out for a second and just kind of digest what you just said. Mm -hmm. Twitter's not allowed in China because they don't control it, right? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Wigan. This is the this is the the problem with you know any large. Um, social media platform company that expands worldwide is you have all these jurisdictional uh, laws and you have to basically have teams that are always on top of following these strict regulations in some of these other countries and, you know, censoring or banning accounts that, that break the rules. Um, and I mean, I guess this is why, like, there's this interest in having a decentralized social media platform where, like, you literally can't like you can't censor people right like even if the government tells you you have to you literally cannot um i don't know if yeah, yeah i mean if you don't mind I, I wanted to comment a little bit mm -hmm. here you know um like for instance uh you can contrast with this with noster obviously the the way noster works is with filtering and so like i briefly glanced at the uh the specification that jack posted and it's gonna work in a similar way there's like a, a base layer that is completely uh you know decentralized etc like un you know unfiltered but then these uh basically there's gonna be 
like overlays that filter out content like that's the that's the basic approach to like these decentralized social media protocols is you have to filter out content so i just wanted to like add that to the uh you know discussion is that's how you do it because if you have like truly like un unmitigated free speech the the approach has to be to uh self-curate and so that's what i believe was being said in that specification is you can add these uh layers to it so you can self-curate your content which is basically just filtering out uh whatever you know what you want etc and so in other words it's not done from a centralized point you have the tools to filter out whatever you don't want to see so in other words if you don't want to see a bunch of kitty porn you filter out the kitty porn or whatever you get what i'm saying yeah obviously that kind of stuff but then you know you can filter out by uh, I, I'm imagining the way it'll be, you'll be able to filter out, you know, key terms and stuff. So it'll, the, the base layer will be completely wild west, but then you control uh, what you filter out and what you see that way. Yeah, that makes sense. You put the, you put the responsibility back into the individual's hands instead of, instead of mommy, daddy government. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what we're doing already here on Twitter. I mean, all of, of us have our blocked accounts, our muted accounts, our muted words. You know, I mean, obviously, it's not perfect, but I would imagine it would work similarly on on that platform. Which, at the same time, I mean, you see how shitty it works here. So, like, how are they going to solve? How are they going to solve that there? Right? Like, how are they going to deal with bots on that network? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm sure. Know, like in in like the Noster, uh, you know, network, um, the obviously that is a problem, and you know, like JB fifty five William, he's like he's going, he's trying to do stuff where it's uh, you know, integrated with Lightning, so that there's some way to like curate content, et cetera, et cetera, like that that whole model still getting worked out as far as like the financial incentives and, you know, the, etc. So I'll be curious to see how this thing uh, plays out with Jack, but they're, they're, they're gaining some stuff over there and trying to figure out the incentive model for relay uh, runners is that's the relay is the term in Noster world. So uh, they're still trying to figure it out, but, the main thing is it is completely like un it, it is completely wild west content and so it really will boil down to what you filter out and what you like curate yourself. Anyway. I wonder I wonder what um what they're gonna do about the bots. That was an interesting point you brought up, Wicked. Like bots is a huge freaking problem on Twitter. Huge. And the bigger your account, the worse it gets. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we've, we've heard of Sailor and others talk about, like, the orange checkmark idea. I mean, has anyone thought of the idea of, like, what if you pay one Satoshi per, you know, reply or per comment or per retweet? And then, you know, if you're, like, if you're not flagged within 60 seconds, you get that Satoshi back, right? Like, so the, the, the person who does the initial post has the option to downvote your reply. In which case they keep the Satoshi, 
you know? And I mean, obviously the incentives here are going to be a little strange. Um, there, you know, some people might just download everything and take everyone's Satoshis, in which case no one will reply on their, on their content anymore. So that's kind of, I guess that, that works. Um, and then the other people are only going to downvote the ones that are, you know, that are actually nefarious or bots. They get a few Satoshis for downvoting. The bots lose their money. I think the incentives would work out in that way, right? If they get kind of a window of time, like you, you get 60 seconds to downvote any reply. And obviously all the bots, they, they, they come on right away. So you just downvote all those bitches right away. Get yourself like a few hundred sats. And the bots lose, you you win. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe ten sets per <laughs> per comment. Doesn't that just encourage a different kind of censorship based on on uh, economics? Yeah, but I mean, again, like it's your content, so I mean, you can curate it the way you want. If you want to censor it, you already can do that. You can make it where only people mm. who follow you can reply. So I mean, that that you know, like if you want to censor your shit, you should have the right to be able to censor it, and I think you should also have the right to be able to allow anyone to comment um, if they want to, you know, put up a Satoshi to comment and they get it back after 60 seconds. If you don't downvote their, you know, their, their comment or whatever. And I mean, people will learn quickly. It's like, okay, wicked doesn't like when I kill my shit coins because he always downvotes it and I lose my Satoshi or wicked doesn't like when I, you know, act like a fucking idiot. Uh, so I'm just not going to do that on its content anymore. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. What do you guys? <laughs> it's interesting yeah, it's, 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 it's behavioral it's, 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 analysis. Like from when you explain it that way, wicked from like a behavioral analysis of people kind of identifying the wants and, and dislikes of, of others. I think that would be an interesting just to look at like from a data perspective. Um, I don't know necessarily that I would want to partake in that, but just to look at like an overall data analysis of what that would look like of um, social media human interaction from like the a, upvote downvote kind of thing i think that would be neat to look at but it doesn't solve you, the, it it doesn't it, sorry alex go ahead well i was actually just responding to your the point you brought up peter is is that that's a that's a, a good concern the thing is is that if it's if the amount is small enough it's irrelevant it's kind of like the entire idea with charging you know a couple of pennies to send an email was that it would make it uneconomic to do at scale meaning that's how you get rid of spam. That was the original idea from the cypherpunks back in the day. I don't know. I don't remember who came up with that. Adam Beck. Adam Beck. Back. Was it? Okay. Brilliant fucking idea. I think that's a brilliant idea. And um, I think it would work. I mean, you're not going to like, <laughs> you're not going to exclude people from participating in a conversation because you charge X amount, you know, pennies or a couple of bucks or whatever to, not, not, not that you charge, maybe I'm using the wrong word, but. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Like, it, put it this way: if there was a discussion I was interested in, and I wanted to make a point bad enough, I, you know, okay. Well, not how only does that, it, but I mean, you you how, you put up you put up a tenth of a penny, and then you get it back after a minute because you know your your comment was well received. So I mean, I think it it actually it might even make you know everything. <laughs> A little bit more, uh, what's the word, you know, um, I don't know, like less of a fucking shitstorm. I mean, we look at some of our, our threads here and it's just like people just throwing fucking shit at the wall. You're just like, shut the fuck up. So, you know? so Wicked, how does it solve the issue of you spin up a room um, and you invite 15,000 bots into the room and now you're, you're, you're pitching some scam? 
Um, and somebody who's not a bot comes into the room because there's 15,000 people listening to this scam and then they get scammed. So that's, so how, how do you solve for that? Cause I think that's one of the biggest issues. Oh, now you're talking like a spaces dynamic where they, where they fill it with bots. I didn't know they were doing that, but it yeah, makes that's sense. What they, so these spaces, when they, when they rebroadcast and they say, Hey, send me a Bitcoin and I'll send you back to off to the side that those are those are mostly bots in there because what they've done is is they've they've made the room attractive because like oh there's all these other people watching uh hoskins or or sailor or whomever uh and so this must be legit that's one of the scams wow dude Mind i mean blowing. i mean this is this is how you know stupid i am is like i almost fell for that in the early days you know what i'm saying like i'm not that smart and and like these these things are actually really easy to fall for for like norm you know for normal people for normies like it's you would think yeah, I fell for it I mean until this moment like, until right you know now saying? I thought those were legit people in those rooms my gosh thanks for teaching think? me about that wow the things you learn on Cafe Bitcoin. All right, um, let's finish up this topic. There's one more topic I want to hit, one more news item, and then we'll open it up for beginner Q&A type stuff. Uh, Jim, go ahead, and then we'll move on to our next subject. Yeah, hey, guys. I was sitting here listening to the conversation, and I took a look at this at protocol that um, uh, that Jack Dorsey is uh, proposing for digital identities and being able to control your own stuff on the internet. I, uh, it's a little maybe too technical for me. It does appear that there will be a dependency on use of this protocol. Um, it doesn't, I couldn't find an outline to show where data is hosted. Um, so maybe I just need to look into it deeper. But my understanding about digital identities and being able to not be shut down is only going to be possible in a world where everybody runs their own personal server. I don't know this if this includes that. I know it's what the Start9 guys are working on. And the idea being that everything you post is hosted on your own computer and can never be taken down. And the people who have access to it are the people you let have access to it through a, you know, a functional interface that lets them see your content and you can curate your own stuff. So you can eliminate the bots yourself I don't think any of the infrastructure is fully implemented for that type of a system, but it's my understanding. It's about the only way that it's actually going to be free in that regard. Uh, maybe I'm talking through out my ass here and I'm, I'm envisioning something that's not going to yeah, be up. this Jim, this, this new thing among other things did talk about federations using federations. So I think there's a, a some aspect of decentralization and some aspect of more, um, centralization depending on the type of content that's being dealt with so it gets kind of deep but yeah i think there's a a little bit of both involved in this architecture yeah i did a lot of research into digital ids over the last couple of years because it was just something that was very curious to me and i i learned about some of these different angles and i think jack is aware of this stuff so I want to believe that he recognizes the challenges and trade-offs and that maybe when this protocol gets built out and people adopt it, that eventually we might see that kind of arrangement for people and their data and, and their ability to host their own stuff and not get deplatformed. I just don't know enough about it yet. I just wanted to throw in my two cents based on my own little bit of research into this field 
and what I'm seeing. And then I looked at their website and I couldn't find anything that would really clue me into how it's going to look. But most of the data on there is actually meant for developers. As I started to read it, it's a little over my head. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens. Uh, we got a crazy messed up world where too many people control stuff control us through you know these platforms and whatnot and it needs to be decentralized somehow so it's nice that some people are at least trying to work on it so thanks guys yeah you bet man like two but two two thoughts number one um who would have thought that we'd all have a smartphone in our hands today you know if you rewind the clock oh i don't know when did we not have this <laughs> 20 years ago 25 years ago whatever so over a couple of decades span of time, there's now this thing that all human beings for the most part on the planet do that we never imagined we would be doing. So I could see a time where everybody's running a, a node in their home, like an appliance, you know, you buy an off the shelf appliance, you plug it in just like your freaking microwave. Um, why? So you could broadcast all your own transactions and, and own all your own data. I could see that happening. Sure. Why not? That's the first thing. But the other thing that Shane just said makes a shit ton of sense. Like if they do it in a federated model, Man, that simple up all that stuff. You've got your favorite Uncle Jim who you trust or group of Uncle Jims or whatever. And you just join their federation and they host all your data. I mean, I could see potential problems with that too. But I mean, that's really what trust is all about among humans and human beings, right? And at least, at least you get to choose the group of people you're associating with and you get to choose the people you trust versus having to be freaking... Um, hard wedged with a crowbar into a centralized system where they have all your freaking data, and, which can be hacked and stolen, and then they can censor the shit out of you. And leave when you want to, right, Alex, with your data. So, And leave when you want to with your own data, yeah. It's like if, if they prove to be like a bunch of jerk-offs, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to migrate. Go ahead, Wicked. That's a really cool idea. Um, and, you know, and it obviously it reminds me of Pediments, which I think will be kind of the, you know, the Bitcoin version of that. And I, I'm really excited to see how that evolves over time. And like this idea that, you know, we're going to have all these different federations across the world made up of different, you know, uh, leaders who are who are running them. You know, maybe we'll have one in Boston. We'll have like the Boston Fediment. I'll definitely join that one. <laughs> we'll have, you know, we'll have like different. Maybe we'll have fucking uh, the Swan Fediment guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, right. I joined that one too, but like I don't, this idea that like yeah, I mean, because you know, ultimately, life. I mean, like you said, life is a trade-off of different levels of trust, and you can't live life without any trust. Like there has to be trust involved in your life at some levels, right? Now, fundamentally, we want to minimize trust. I think at the base level, especially for money, because everyone fucking like can't be trusted with money for whatever reason humans are terrible humans can't be trusted with the creation of money right well i mean yes with the creation of money with the rules of money i mean if there's a will there's a way and someone's going to try to fuck that shit up and so foundationally we need to have that layer trustless but everything on top has to have levels of trust you know like you have to be able to drive across a bridge without having to expect it yourself. Like you have to trust the engineers that actually did that shit right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, we, we do it every day. Anybody who like, gets on an airplane is trusting that the, that the ground crews actually did their maintenance that day. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, exactly. or that the pilots so, are not like on fentanyl or whatever. <laughs> You'd hope not. 
Yeah. I don't You'd know. Anyways, so, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually am I'm pretty excited about some of these different implementations that, you know, sprinkle a little trust in here and there and, like, give you different options and trade-offs. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. That's a huge missing key, right? Because look at the mass population. Who, who's in Bitcoin right now? People who are who are okay with being kind of on the edge of learning new technologies and, and, and trusting these things with, with large, in some cases, large amounts of wealth, right? Is the mass market ready for that is the big question. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are afraid of technology. There are a lot of people who can't figure stuff out. There are a lot of people who are not good with technology. This is not a criticism. It's just reality. So how do you get those people involved? Well, Federations are pretty freaking is a freaking cool idea. By the way, I like the, I like the word federations versus fedimens. Fedimens sounds it creeped me out the first time I I heard it. That was, that's just me, maybe. Jim. Yeah, just I wanted to add a little bit of uh, more of a sort of vision on how this could work. Uh, the idea would be that if you have your own server in whatever you post, what would look like to you as on social media, let's say Twitter, you send a post, you're looking at an interface that looks like Twitter, your post stays on your server. And those people who are your followers, who you want to see your stuff, when they go on the same platform that looks like Twitter, their feed gets propagated from thousands of servers that give them the information that looks like what is centrally located now. And that gives you the ability to not have to trust anybody with your data because it's always with you and you only let certain people in. And then just bringing it to the federation level, you're just uploading it to, say, a central server in your little community that you hopefully can trust it's not going to take down your stuff again yeah, why would, you, and why wouldn't you sorry good no i was going to say you would interface with the computer everything would look just like it does now except where the information is stored instead of in the cloud on someone else's computer it's everything you type yeah. in into your computer and that would do two different two interesting things number one it would be a lot less overhead for the for the for the platform itself, they wouldn't have to store all the data. Number two, though, why wouldn't you want to own all your own co content? Like, if you're a, an amazing content producer, let's take Tomer Strolight right now on stage. This dude's written some amazing, profound stuff for the Bitcoin space. Why wouldn't you want to own all that own content? Why, why would you trust a platform like Substack that could just delete all your shit, right? But if you owned it all, that just seems to make so much more sense to me. I just made an NFT of it, so I own it all, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that wants to really get this vision, you need to look into Start9 and what they're trying to create because they are building the platform that might be able to do this for everybody one day. And there's really not a lot of competition to build what they're building. It's actually very fascinating. All right, let's move on. We've beaten this subject to death. Um, I want to talk about something else. Let's do announcements right now before we get into this next subject. And the more I promise for those of you who are in the audience, you're waiting. These guys are not talking about Bitcoin beginner stuff. We're getting there. I promise. Um, all right. You're listening to Swan Bitcoin. Swan Bitcoin. Uh, you're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, this is the place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry and a great place to learn about Bitcoin. It is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple if you cannot catch the show that we do live. Uh, we are less than 30 days. What did I say earlier? Like we're like 23 days away, I think. 
22 days now. We're 22 days away from the uh, Pacific Bitcoin experience. It's coming up in November 10th and 11th. Go to PacificBitcoin.com, promo code CAFE for a discount. Um, top sponsors that have stepped up are Lightning Prime Trust. Let's hear what Sailor has to say, and then we'll talk about the different events coming up. Well, I just say in support of the conference, you know, I don't travel to these things very often. Hey, Daddy, when you going to stop playing? Everybody that I wanted to meet in the Bitcoin world seemed to be there, and a lot of a lot of people reached out to me and said I should come, and then I looked at how many Bitcoiners were getting excited about it, and I thought, I didn't really want to miss this. It seems like it's going to be the event of the year. It should be a good time. I always find myself moving in the chair to that song. Uh, Wednesday, prior to the conference, so the conference is going to be Thursday and Friday during the day. Wednesday, the day prior, will be the Thank God for Bitcoin thing. Uh, the Stackathon, there's going to be a hackathon for Stackchain. It's happening that Wednesday as well. That Wednesday night, there will be a play party with Anders, who is on stage. Good morning, Anders. Um, you can shoot him a DM or go to uh, meetup.com or Bitcoin or events for more information on that. Thursday night will be a VIP party. Uh, Friday night, we're going to shut the... Turn the, I should say, turn the Barker Hangar into a nightclub. Saturday, there should be a beach party on Saturday and a VIP wrap party. VIP gets you into everything. We're giving a ticket away every single week. If you want to enter the join, a, um, um, to, to, if you want to enter to win, gosh, I can't talk today, <laughs> a GA ticket, you can go to swan.com slash PB giveaway. Um, and we're giving one of those away a week for free. We're announcing on Saturdays. If you're thinking about doing a VIP, VIP gets you in everything. Shoot me a DM. I have a discount code for you that's even better than the cafe code. If you're already a Swan client, you can talk to your rep and get a similar code. But obviously, it's not going to be as good as mine. Um, all right. The next uh, headline that I thought was interesting. So, Missouri pulled $500 million in state pension funds out of BlackRock over the company's environmental and social priorities. The Missouri State Treasurer, Scott Fitzpatrick, said, and this is interesting. This is going to be interesting to both Jeff and Foss, I think. Fiduciary duty must remain the top priority for investment managers, a duty some of them have abdicated in favor of forcing a left-wing social and political agenda that has failed to succeed legislatively on publicly traded companies. We should not allow asset managers such as BlackRock, who have demonstrated that they will prioritize advancing a woke political agenda above the financial interests of their customers to continue speaking on behalf of the state of Missouri. It's past time that all investors recognize that massive fiduciary breach that is taking place before our eyes and do something about it. This is wild stuff. So I want to hear from Greg Foss. Good morning, Greg and uh, Dr. Jeff. Good morning, guys. Hey, fellas. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. I'm actually in uh, central Bulgaria on a bus yep, traveling, with, uh, I'm traveling with Jeff Booth, uh, Nat Brunel. And nice. About 13 other Bitcoiners, uh, amazing trip, amazing country. We went to a, uh, convenience store today and, uh, all transacted with lightning wallets on a, uh, on a convenience, uh, store. They were using Satoshi wallet, but anyway, 
I got a liter of beer for a dollar seventeen Canadian with no transaction fees, uh, down to the you know seventh decimal point or whatever. But here's the cool thing: um, this is a country that is going to be a Bitcoin haven, in my opinion. They get it; they're Eastern European, and it's uh, just truly exciting to see the 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 energy in this country. So, wanted to talk on that subject just to uh, say hi from Bulgaria. Uh, this internet thing is pretty cool, isn't it? It's going to catch on, I think. So uh, let's um, talk about that thing in BlackRock. Um, yeah, look, uh, I, I find the language is telling is there anything. Um, I think that uh, those types of pension plans that are moving out of uh, the BlackRock woke culture are ideal uh, for actually uh, the Bitcoin culture personally. Uh, but slowly, slowly than suddenly, I think that was the third state pension plan that has moved out of BlackRock. Um, this is a trend. I support it, uh, meaning I support the trend of fiduciary responsibility over uh, social uh, subjectivity, if you will. Perhaps that's not a word, but social subjectivity. So I'm not sure what Dr. Jeff thinks, but... Um, listening and learning always um over to you jeff yeah hey greg man that's that's a party that you're over in bulgaria right now say hi to uh jeff and that for me and all the people that's that's really awesome that you're doing that um uh regarding the news of blackrock um i think it's i think it's good news right i mean i i don't disagree with with uh their stance for leaving uh blackrock and i think that more people should consider this the the um you know, and, and I'm not I'm not political, as you guys know, right? I just don't care about this stuff. But it's really interesting to watch political narratives kind of get so powerful and take over and basically um, force policy into certain directions. And our goal, you know, Foss and I and other other uh, fiduciaries here, our goal as fiduciaries is to preserve and increase the purchasing power of our clients. And a lot of times, you know, we get sucked into thinking these narratives are what we need to follow, but that's not what our fiduciary responsibility is. It's to preserve and grow the purchasing power of our clients uh, over time and, and period. And so if, if we're not doing that, uh, it, and I, I just so you know, like from from real world experience, I've had multiple people who have been interested in my services, but they've come at me and said, hey, I have this, you know, uh, political agenda and these beliefs and this, and I don't want to invest in this. And, and I'm just like, you know what, then Shire isn't for you. That's not how I do things. I'm going to grow and protect your purchasing power over time. Uh, I'm not going to follow any political narratives. And so there are, there are uh, some people who are starting to stand up to the very strong, I think, woke narrative that's uh, prevalent in our culture right now. Uh, I think we're going to see more of that as the pendulum swings back in the other direction. Yeah, I agree. We can. Uh, Dr. Jeff, um, so we're trying to preserve the purchasing power. At what point are we going to are we going to start to try to preserve the uh, Bitcoin denominated wealth instead of just the purchasing power? Yeah, you know, that's a good question, Wicked. I, you know, for me, it still is a matter of preserving purchasing power. I think that Bitcoin is the best tool that has been created to preserve purchasing power over time. But there are certainly periods where, like we have right now, where we're in uh, monetary contraction periods, uh, where that definitely hurts the price of Bitcoin and, and then risk assets as well uh, as the dollar strengthens because of kind of a global dollar shortage. Uh, so there are times, uh, for the most part, over the long run, I think it's great to be, uh, you know, fully allocated to Bitcoin. But there are also times where it's kind of painful. And, you know, my clients don't, you know. 
couple of thoughts on this. So when my clients are, you know, fully orange pilled and I, I spend a lot of time teaching them about Bitcoin uh, so that they become so, um, I teach them to kind of, you don't need my services, like get off of, you know, get out of the traditional financial system. Here's how you buy Bitcoin. Here's how you put it in cold storage. Here's how you, you sovereignly own uh, your, your Bitcoin. Uh, and so you don't have, you can be your own bank, things like that. Um, but in the meantime, um, uh, a lot of clients are still interested. They're still sort of stuck between traditional finance and the new Bitcoin standard that's coming. And we're not there yet, right? I mean, Bitcoin isn't nearly big enough yet to become the world standard, uh, but it's on its way. And I, and I, I uh, fundamentally believe that in my core that the world will be there, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years, who knows how long it takes. Um, so in the meantime, until we transition from this fiat world, from traditional finance to more of a Bitcoin standard world, uh, I look at myself and what I do with VailShare is just kind of a bridge uh, for that time period, if that makes sense. Can I, can I get a quick follow-up? So, so, I mean, I, I know that you're fully orange-pilled, Dr. Jeff. Are you honest with your clients? Like, do you have any sort of report of, of like, if you had just held Bitcoin instead of you know, going with my fund, you would have had X amount of Bitcoin, right? And as opposed to like, you know, now you have X amount of Bitcoin because you were with my fund. You know what I'm saying? Like, so do you denominate, do you have any sort of, of, of tool where you denominate gains and losses in terms of Bitcoin and then have a comparison to like, if you had just held Bitcoin on its own, this is how you would have performed relative? Yeah, I don't do that as kind of a, I don't have like a standing, um, Comparison to those sort of things, I compare Vailshire has always been compared to the S&P 500. Uh, that's that's my baseline comparison uh, over time. And so, you know, there are years where we we definitely outperform uh, stocks and we, you know, like this year, we've definitely outperformed Bitcoin for itself. But yeah, I mean, over a long enough time frame, uh, then, then we've definitely underperformed uh, Bitcoin because we're in uh, other spaces, other asset classes as well. Can I just I comment guess. on that? Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. No, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I guess, I guess if, the point, if the point is, you know, to try to get people into Bitcoin, <laughs> then, uh, you know, maybe showing them that Bitcoin's a better way of storing value long term than everything else. But anyway, sorry about that. Go, Greg. Uh, thanks. Here's what it comes down to, right, is that I've talked about this before. Any diversified asset manager will appreciate the uh the Bitcoin, uh, what Bitcoin brings to the table in terms of a diversifying asset. And over time, I believe that non-correlation will increase. Uh, there are reasons that uh, it's not, uh, that it is too highly correlated. But the most specific thing that I saw last week that I pointed out in Bitcoin Amsterdam, uh, Bitcoin is now less volatile than the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I mean, if you guys don't grasp the significance of that statement in itself amongst a diversified portfolio... You have to understand the way people think on Wall Street. Some of them, and in fact, most of them measure risk as a function of volatility. Certainly, there's a component. Now, I don't live by that rule, but most of Wall Street does. Uh, the point is, by that measure, uh, Bitcoin has uh, uh, you know, short-dated volatility that's le less than the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So everybody on Wall Street, a diversified portfolio, will have different asset silos, Wicked, and you'll never get somebody, uh, a big fund, uh, for example, that will go more than, you know, in my opinion, probably no more than 10% ever in Bitcoin, regardless of its attractiveness. That'll just be the reality of the world. 
But what I wanted to put, I put my hand up and, and wanted before you asked an excellent question. Uh, the the thing that's happening right now is all Eurocentric. Okay, the U.S. has now become a you know it, it's operating on its on its own monetary policy agenda. Basically, reading between the lines, and this is only my opinion, the Bank of England just basically said, "Look, we'll never be able to do QT. Uh, we are so screwed. It's not funny." Uh, the gilts uh, have have recovered and stabilized, but now look what's happening to Germany. Okay, so it's again the contagion aspect. So U.S. Treasury bonds today hit 14-year highs, but that's not the not, that's not the, the 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 risky part. The risky part is overseas and everything that's happening with the overseas uh, bond markets and the uh, contagion in those uh, those particular markets. So the point, I guess, what I bring to the table is you will see adoption of Bitcoin as a diversifier of risk, not necessarily being brought out of USA as much as out of uh, Eurocentric concerns. Uh, the, the catastrophe in, the, in the, uh, the guilt market relative to pension plans in the UK that are now going to be underfunded because of their uh, LDI, liability-driven investing, using leverage on bonds, I mean, those people should lose their jobs, okay? Full stop, there should be an inquiry into how these people could have been so silly to lever low and even uh, close to negative yielding bonds to try and increase uh, increase, uh, returns for their benchmarks. So Jeff, bringing it back to home, Dr. Jeff, uh, his benchmark is the S&P 500. There are much bigger funds whose blended benchmarks are very, uh, you know, calculated by actuaries and whatnot, combination of bonds, combination of leverage, combination of different asset classes. It's a dog's breakfast when it all comes down to it. And right now we're seeing this dog's breakfast unwind because people have used the leverage to try and enhance returns in an artificially low macro yield environment. Yields never should have been down that low. And the central bankers are, you know, are, are turning a blind eye to who caused the pro- the the the, uh, the problem. So, shout out to Dr. Jeff for uh, having a S and P 500 benchmark. Jeff, you're going to have to change that benchmark, my friend. That benchmark is going the way of the dodo bird. Reality is that passive investing, like that, that is pitched by uh, BlackRock, passive investing with ESG overlays, that is absolutely ridiculous risk management move your funds out of these out of these socially irresponsible or socially uh uh subjectivity i guess is how i would say it funds because you shouldn't be allocated to the s&p 500 you should actually be allocated to active portfolio management that does not include within the s&p 500 basket an exposure to western union for example or in my opinion, is some, uh, an exposure to PayPal, both of which are in the S&P 500 index. Why would you want to own those pieces of shit, right? Like at the yeah. end of the day, it is very dangerous when you just blanket allocate to the S&P 500. So Jeff, what you should do is change your benchmark to the Jeff Ross S&P asterisk 500 portfolio of companies <laughs> that are actually going to be around when the Bitcoin yeah. standard when the Bitcoin standard is uh, is reality. Sorry for the uh, little rant here, but 
Bulgaria it knows how to manage risk. Okay, they've seen what the communists, uh, what the communists do to countries. The USA, you should probably come over here and see what happens to communist countries. Okay, and then embrace your freedom that you have. The beauty of the freedom of the United States. So over and out from uh, Bulgaria. Oh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll keep listening, but I think I'm going into a dead zone here. So uh, <laughs> all right, our favorite, our, one of our favorite Canadians. Hey, Greg, say hi to uh, Jeff and Natalie and the crew over there. And have fun. Stay safe. Stay there, okay. guys. Natalie, Natalie, and Jeff, say hi. Say hi to Alex. Hi, hey guys. Everybody. Hey, Nat. Hey, hey, Alex. There's, there they hey, are. Jeff. Okay, a, a crazy busload of big. You guys are sounding like through. you're having way too much fun. <laughs> How can you not have fun when the, a liter of beer costs a dollar seventeen Canadian? I mean, do the Fair math. Point. Okay, do Fair the point. math. Do the yeah. math. Okay, yeah. love you guys. See you back. See you. All right, guys. Be safe. How cool. Um, all right, we got a ton of hands up here. I don't even know the order. I think Tomer was next. I just uh, a very quick point for me on um, uh, the, the new left or the woke culture that's or the new politics is really a, a stew of a whole bunch of different ideas. There's a couple of exceptionally bad ideas. There may be some reasonably valid or contextually valid ideas in there, but the two that are the worst is, is the worship of the state as the potential problem solver of everything and the animosity towards energy driven by the environmental catastrophization of the notion of carbon, right? Like, like just even the notion uh, of pursuing something that's net zero, net zero literally means don't light a fire, right? Don't insert a single atom of carbon <laughs> into the, at the atmosphere. And it's so ridiculously over, uh, overstated uh, it's not some reasonable target it's just zero we will not combust fuel uh, that's yeah, the only way to achieve insanity. that so it, it is it is a it's a completely unrealistic unachievable target and that it is proposed as something that we should work towards without thinking about the context of what it actually means is just shows the extremism and irrationality of that mm -hmm. idea within things. And, and I guess the main point I wanted to bring this back to is the, we're already seeing now the consequences of even starting to try to move in the direction of reducing carbon emissions is causing right. energy crisis everywhere. Sorry, I, I saw this, I saw this tweet this morning that I thought was the most succinct way of saying it possible. This is just my opinion. This is not political. All right. This is a freedom or slavery thing in my mind. This is not about politics. It's not about political platforms. Yes, there are some political groups that advocate these kind of measures, right? But personally, I think they're they're basically propaganda tools of the okay, well, let me just read it. ESG is a social credit system established by the ruling class. It is used to control capital allocation for their desired outcomes. It's the method through which more power over food, energy, and money can be acquired, rewarding those who show allegiance to their plan. That was by MacroJack21. That is the most concise thing I've ever read describing the entire shit show dumpster fire that is ESG and all the stuff that goes with it. I think that is 100 personally, my opinion, I think that is 100% correct. And the craziest part about all of it is that there are people out there who have been convinced, you know, that that 
this whole thing is real. And it's kind of like, uh, I look at it like this. The wolves have all gotten together and they're like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's convince all of these sheep in this field that the world is going to end through a climate crisis and we can make them go where we want. Let's herd them all over here into this little canyon where we can slaughter them at will. And so the wolves dress up in sheep clothes and then they go into the sheep pack and they're like, hey, the world is going to end. There's going to be a climate crisis. You've got to do this. And what happens is, there's a portion of the sheep who all stand up and scream, ah, the world is going to end. Everyone run to the canyon. And the, and, and, while, and the wolves are freaking salivating. They're like, oh, you stupid little bastards. We got you now. That's what I think is happening. All right, if I can uh, jump in, Alex. Um, we can, I totally understand and agree, and it, it's been my thought as well. Like you got to denominate and measure a portfolio in, in Bitcoin. Uh, what I want to say is that there's an old saying that concentration of assets can generate, um, you know, a lot of wealth, but it can also destroy wealth and diversification is what preserves it. Me personally, I'm all in Bitcoin because I feel I still need to generate, um, generational wealth and financial freedom. But once I achieve that, definitely I will for the sake of, uh, risk management, diversify to some extent maybe i'll get a car i know that's not an asset it's a liability maybe i'll get a home uh maybe i'll buy other assets as well what i want to say also and dr jeff would love to hear just a, a response from you on that is that um one and i i manage um investments and in portfolios honestly for most of my family um but but bitcoin miners are a leverage Bitcoin position. When Bitcoin goes up three times, a miner typically may go up seven times. However, it does come with big risk right now in this bear market. There's still potential deleveraging uh, going on uh, amongst the miners. So it's without, you know, a lot of risk as well to the downside. But that is a way that if you know, or if you think that Bitcoin is going to go up for the next two, three years, um, that that actually can outperform uh, Bitcoin, and it's just based on the mathematics and the the, the company economics of of a miner. Jeff, do you do you have miners in your portfolio? Hey, uh, great great points, Anders. Um, by the way, guys, I have a meeting one minute ago that started, so I got I got to run here, but I just wanted to um, connect. So so um, great points that people are bringing up. I mean, so uh, to your point, Anders, about miners, miners are basically a way to play the price of Bitcoin uh, with leverage, right? Uh, they have beta, they have higher beta than Bitcoin itself does. Um, so when Bitcoin is in a bear market, miners get just absolutely decimated. That's what we've seen. They're down like 80 to 95 percent kind of across the board uh, in bull markets. They actually tend to outperform as well. So those can make uh, some pretty nice trades as well. Just my final point is that, you know, obviously most of us here on stage, I'd say all of us here on stage. Um, are true Bitcoin believers, right? I, I had, before this year started, I had the majority of my net worth in Bitcoin. 
that's down over 70%, you guys, right? So my net worth is down about, you know, approximately 70%, not quite because I have other stuff too. Um, but that's what, that's the price Bitcoiners are willing to pay, right? We're willing to tolerate extreme volatility uh, and just simply dollar cost average through it because we know where Bitcoin is going. I will say as a, as a portfolio manager for clients, they, they're not on board with me. They're not fully orange-pilled yet. So they don't get that. I spend most of my time as an asset manager trying to manage volatility for my clients. My clients, they're they're cool with having some Bitcoin in our Bellshire portfolios. They're not cool with their, their accounts going down 70%. They're just not. Uh, so I spend a lot of my time kind of mitigating that risk. So that's why I do what I do. That's why I wear two different hats. Personally, I just dollar cost average through it. I don't care at all about the volatility because I know where it's going. For my clients, though, I do hedge to the downside to protect a, against that risk and that volatility. So unfortunately, I can't stay. I got to go. And then hope, I'll try to get back on stage uh, uh, when this meeting's over, but thanks, guys. Cool. Adios, Jeff. Thanks for hanging. Terrence, good morning. Morning. Uh, yeah, just to echo that, I think um, a lot of people are not ready who are who have financial advisors, whether it's Jeff or someone else. They're just not ready to hear the, to, to get all into Bitcoin. So if you do bring up the, um, what Wicked suggested, like be more honest and, or, or being honest and show like the historical price increases, which have been massive. Um, it just doesn't sound credible to some of them. So with some of them, it'll work. With others, they'll be like, you're smoking crack, and this sounds like a highly speculative asset. And what has it done this year and last year? What has it done in the last five years? In the last five years, the average price in 2017 was close to 9000 So if it's only doubled in five years with this extreme volatility and the fed is doing what it's doing and kind of turning everything into a risk off environment by raising rates and inflation continues to be surprise surprise high and persistent after all the money printing and asset inflation is trickling down to goods and services then it the outlook doesn't look as bullish as it used to when bitcoin was starting from a base of zero dollars per bitcoin or one cent per bitcoin and has improved um, its returns exponentially from that <clears throat> but you just have a much higher base and massive macro headwinds at least in the shorter term all righty um anybody have a response to that otherwise we can just start talking about uh beginner stuff and Q and a. All right, let's go. Um, right. So if you're on the panel, think about maybe the top three things that you get asked by new people. Um, and then you can do that. I, I figure that's a good way to, to get it rolling. If you're in the, in the, um, audience and you want to come up and you want to ask a question, you're welcome to do that. Just request. We'll bring you up. We'll be kind. I promise. You can also ask a question in, um, text through the telegram group that's t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club t.me forward slash cafe bitcoin club just a little point of kind of like housekeeping so you guys understand how we select who comes up here uh don't be offended if we either remove you or don't bring you up or whatever because we're constantly modifying who's on the stage best based upon um in our experience who we think is going to bring the best signal and it's not it's not a personal thing. 
Okay. So like, this is just something you have to get used to on our show. Like a lot of times we'll have speakers on the show and then we'll have to remove you to bring somebody else. Um, and then people, you know, just don't get your feelings hurt by it. I, I hope because it's not personal. All right. So, um, who wants to start? Uh, Alex, I think the big one that, that I come across all the time that I, um, myself, you know, struggled with the most, I guess, finally getting, getting there was, is self custody, right? In other words, taking bit Bitcoin into my own custody, getting it off of, you know, multiple platforms that I had it on. And obviously there's a lot of things to think about regarding that. And if you're new to Bitcoin, like I was at the time, it, it's a little scary because now, you know, it's a bearer asset. So if you somehow screw it up <laughs> in the process, you don't have it anymore. You know, I mean, there's obviously all kinds of or enough horror stories about people saying it to the wrong address. And the other thing you have to be careful of if you're on a an exchange or other platforms, you know, there's options that you may not understand when you get ready to withdraw it. So, um, you know, I don't know, maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Um, I, like I said yesterday, I, I went and did it over about a three month period of time. The one thing I'll add to this or start out with this conversation is I certainly would say it's something you definitely want to do. You want to, the whole, you know, one of the biggest reasons you want Bitcoin is to, to be sovereign and to have it in your, in your own custody and your own control, but, you know, start out slow and, and there's plenty of people around to, uh, help is my, been my experience. So take advantage of that. Yeah, that's a great one. Like I hear that all the time working in Swan. That's what people are super concerned about. But if you've never done it before, it's very, it's very nerve wracking, especially if it's a lot of money. Who wants to talk about that? Wicked? Homer. Yeah, I'll be super quick because we say this off. Just start small. Like you don't have to put your whole stack in. <laughs> you can put a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin in and learn how to do it. And if you accidentally screw up and lose it all, which I don't think you will, then you're out a hundred bucks, and and now you have cause to be nervous. But your nervousness before doing it is just fear of the unknown. And if you have a big stack of Bitcoin held by some custodian, you should probably be more afraid. <laughs> of leaving it with them than of starting to learn how to play with $100 of it and moving that into and out of your own wallet and back and forth and seeing that Bitcoin works as advertised. There's a, there's a learning curve here. It's not going to happen instantly because you'll build your confidence. Just like with everything, you learned how to walk. You were clumsy at first. You stumbled. Then you eventually learned how to run and standing came first. Like there's just a process of using things. And the more you use things, if you drive a car, it's, you know, you don't think about it after driving for a few years, but you need to learn. So it's just, a, it's a skill to learn that isn't really terribly difficult. It's like sending an email, except you're sending money. And so I, I you, you want to be a little bit more careful. If you lose an email, you can just resend it. If you, if you lose money, it's gone. So learn, <laughs> learn with small amounts. And you will get comfortable and you and you'll go through all the curves of like double checking, triple checking addresses, sending test amounts, all these sorts of things that people go through in their early days to the point where you eventually are have very com comfortable and confident habits and heuristics around sending and receiving Bitcoin. And and then you won't have all this anxiety and you'll be skilled at something that's very important to be skilled at in the current world. And and yeah. Tomer, one of the thing I'll add 
and Alex, if it's okay to, um, you know, it's, you know, like Tomer said, even if you're not, if, even if you don't think you're quite ready for a physical, what we, you know, now call signing devices more commonly, maybe still called hardware wallets, whether that's a cold card or, you know, ledger or treasure, which I, I'm, uh, not a big fan of, but nonetheless, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin only companies, but, um, start with, of, of, you know, moon wallet or, or blue wallet on your phone, even, right. Maybe it's a, even $50, but don't, you know, wait until you feel comfortable with this hardware device. That's, you know, uh, another thing that's like, Oh, I don't think I can use this. You know, I know Peter and he can talk for himself, but I know Peter was, you know, early on, if, if you will, in a sense, afraid of the code card, but, He's actually said multiple times, which I started with a cold card, but it was it never seemed actually that difficult to use to me. But but maybe start with just a a phone wallet. It's it's still at least in your custody. I, all right, I think all the, good stuff. I think the question is: Is your fear psychological? Or is your fear uh, based on technology? Because, and they can, they, they can be the same. And, and, and Shane is correct. Um, I, I, but I started with, I started with a hot wallet and just moving stuff with a hot, but I was, af what I was afraid of was my, I had to get out of my fiat mentality because my hand had been held with banking and with, with money for my entire life. I had always had somebody there to help me. I always knew there was a backstop and I always knew that even if I did something wrong, it was correctable. And this was the first time in my life when I was doing something besides taking cash out of a wallet and putting it into another wallet or placing it or hiding it somewhere that I was actually going to be responsible for what I was doing with my purchasing power. And that was what scared the hell out of me. Once I did it a few times, actually more than a few times, once I did it a lot, once I began to understand, for me, I have to understand the technology. I have to actually be able to visualize what is going on um, with the UTXOs with the transaction and kind of be able to visualize that. And once I could do that, and that currently I can, at least to some extent, um, I no longer have a fear of that because I can actually visualize what's going on. So I know that what I'm doing is, is correct, not because of muscle memory, but because I can visualize the, um, I can visualize the actual transaction. All right, cool. Uh, and we do repeat. Sometimes people, you know, comment to me. They're like, hey, you guys are always repeating the same thing. Yes, repetition is the mother of all learning. Why are we doing this? What is the mission? The mission is to bring the message to the other 7 billion people. It's not for people who are already in Bitcoin. Yes, it is partially for people who are already in Bitcoin, but that's not the mission here. All right, so we will repeat sometimes, but that's because we're trying to help new people. Okay. Uh Next, we've got Ahelia. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Thanks for taking me call. So my question is, um, so I told my kids that for every dollar that they saved in fiat, I would match them in Bitcoin, but they're both under 18. And I'm one of those people that still have my stack at Swan, like I haven't put into cold storage. So I haven't gotten to there yet. 
but I would like for them to have a wallet, but of course they're under 18, so they can't like KYC in. Right. So, so I have I, a idea for okay. that real quick. So okay. get, get blue wallet possibly. I mean, it depends on whether you want to, uh, manage it with, with a signing device, you know, a physical device, like a cold card or what I've done with my kids. Oh, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I first started out with the blue wallet with what I'm about to tell you. So blue wallet, you can have multiple wallets in the interface. So it's really easy for you as the parent and really easy for the kids. You could literally even install a watch, what's called a watch only version of that wallet on their phone where they couldn't actually, you know, Doing sell it if you will or anything like that or transfer it, but they could see it grow. Okay, so let me let me interrupt you really quick. Yeah. So, so again, so total newbie. So so you know my kids are young, right? So they take their yeah. phones out of the house and they lose it. So the watch yeah. only would allow them, like if their phone got stolen or someone broke into it, they yeah. Couldn't, okay. Nobody could take it. Now I'm not. You may not want to even allow someone that stole their phone to see it. So it's just an option. You don't have to do that. But I, it's a fun way that I've found. And we even had a, a like a, a um, um, kids savings plan, you know, at a school. And that's kind of what we did so that they could see it growing. But obviously, since they're under 18, you're still going to own, if you will, the Bitcoin's still going to be with you in one sense. But the other thing, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep in this and it's not legal or financial advice coming from me at least, but you know, you can gift uh, right now, you can gift, I think, up to $16,000 tax-free to both the giver and the receiver. So at some point when they get old enough to actually take it, you, you could gift it to them and it would physically be theirs, if you will. But yeah, as far as right now, and then the, so Blue Wallet, I think, is a really good option. Another one, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other people that have really good ideas. What I've now do, I've gravitated, started with Blue Wallet. I have a cold card. And this is a little more, a little more complicated, but still something I believe anyone can do with the cold card. You can have um, pass, you can have different passphrases, and that basically creates a new wallet. So with one cold card device, I can manage multiple wallets. So each of my kids basically have a, a passphrase, um, you know, account, if you will. That, that, that I manage there. And then for the visual aspect of that, I do have those also in blue wallet so that I can see them, but it's totally managed with the signing device. So arguably it's one step more secure, right? Because if you have it, if it's managed, actually managed with the blue wallet, like Peter mentioned earlier, calling it a, a, a hot wallet, that means it's, you know, on the internet and, and potentially could be, potentially could be compromised. So those are some things that I've done that seemed very helpful for my kids. And I do something similar. I don't necessarily match, but we, my, one of my daughters, we have animals. And so she uh, makes sure that they have water. And I've basically said, you get so many Satoshis. And this, this is something you may want to think about as well. Truly denominate it. Maybe in Satoshis go to that next level. But I tell my daughter, Okay, 4,000 Satoshis for every time you fill up the water, you know, and just mark it on a piece of paper and we settle once a week or something like that. <laughs> okay. How old are your kids? Uh, they are 15 and 13. Okay. So they're, they're actually all... who I practice, like all my, all my, like, hey guys, this is what I learned today in Bitcoin, right? So, so they're, they're hearing it. Um, and, and now so, I feel like it's just, it's time to move to the next level with them. Well, like they're all, so they're old enough <laughs> to work a wallet. You can take 
any wallet you want for them that's a Bitcoin wallet, and you can send them small amounts to their wallet from your from your Swan account, which is which will be Canon will be their responsibility, and you can work it with them. You don't have to again send out the whole stack as I was saying before, and they're going to learn. At, you know, it's like you don't have to learn to be 16. You don't have to be 18 years old and have a government license to learn how to ride a bicycle. This is easier than riding a bicycle. Uh, and and there's ways to back everything up so that if they lose their phone or lose their computer, you've got seed phrases to recover from. This is a great learning journey for you to go on with your kids. You don't have to gamble the whole thing by moving it on to there right away. But they can start developing the skills and you can start seeing how easy it actually really is. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. A quick question for Shane on that. Um, I, I may have missed it, but why do you like Blue Wallet over Moon Wallet? Because I've heard complaints uh, about yeah. all the other. Like Moon seems to be by far the easiest. To well, use. Moon, Moon is the easiest to use. Moon would not allow you to do what I'm talking about, which is to have. I don't believe it does. You can't have on one account, if you will, like six wallets, right? So the thing I like with Boo Wallet, gotcha, I can gotcha. create multiple Lightning wallets, multiple on-chain wallets. I can see them all. My kids can see them all. We can, in a sense, manage them in that way from one device. They can be read-only. I also love Blue Wallet because literally my cold card stuff that's managed, I have a, uh, a uh, watch-only version of that so I can get an address if I need to, if I'm mobile and I'm about to take, let's say, some some stuff off a of swan and put it into cold storage, I can get the next address that I need. So lots of reasons, but I love moon. If you're just talking about a single homogeneous, if you will, wallet that, that supports both lightning and on chain, I have, I have moon, I have it on my phone and, you know, I have some Bitcoin in the, in, you know, managed that way, if you will. So I, I love it. But yeah, if you want to be able to see multiple accounts, blue wallet has worked really well for that. And you can also, I also like Blue Wallet because you can um, label your transactions. So. Hey Shane, have you yeah. um, have you tried to do a watch only wallet on Blue Wallet, but of a Moon wallet? No, so I've not tried possible. that. That's a pretty Thank interesting you. concept. Nice. You know, I don't think the other. Th I'll be honest too. The other reason I don't like Moon Wallet personally, again, it's very personal. And it may get it's, it's it's maybe a little bit above a quote unquote beginner thought. I don't like the fact that they don't give you a seed phrase. You know, um, it's just, I, I'm stuck in my ways, I guess, in that way. I like knowing, you know, that I have 12 or 24 words to uh, punch into steel like you do wicked or, you know, or whatever. So um, I'm only, yeah. I'm about two years into this now, but I, I do like the, the seed phrase thought it, but the, it's a little, yeah. bit, little bit easier from a from like a human understanding perspective because because moon wallet does have a backup system um and one that I, I think works pretty well especially if you're on like an ios i think you can actually back it up mm -hmm. to like icloud um and that you can thing. or, or um, which, which is cool yeah. but 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 obviously that's kind of obfuscated from like <laughs> actually knowing how it's backed up whereas the seed phrase you, know, you can take that to any other wallet and back it up. This is why I'm actually curious if you can do a watch only of a moon wallet. Somehow. Um, That's something we really definitely should look into. One other thing I'll say, and I see TC has his hands up since we're talking about wallets. The uh, an, Another one that I'm starting to uh, look at, and there's some really cool things coming out with it. I won't talk about it in detail, but there's an, there's one called Nunchuck, N-U-N-C-H-U-K, I believe it is. And there's a 
desktop version of it and uh, mobile. I think it's kind of considered mobile first, but it's it's a really cool uh, wallet that I'm starting to experiment with. Okay, before we go to TC, uh, hell yeah, I want to make sure that you feel like your question was answered. Like, if you need clarity on something, don't be afraid to ask. Like, these guys get real deep in the weeds on their own technical stuff sometimes, and they don't realize <laughs> that what they're saying is completely unintelligible to somebody who doesn't know what they know, right? So if something doesn't make sense, please ask for further clarification. Well, I think in general, the whole idea of it, like, I understand now. It's just actually doing it. And one thing, one... When I think about the future of Bitcoin, one of the things that I think is this really going to be possible is that you take someone like myself, right? I'm not a techie. I'm just someone that's, you know, I'm learning. I'm enjoying it. I, I, I understand it. It's just the technical part. Like everything you just said, I took notes and it's like, okay, that's, but then it's like, how am I going to actually do that? Right? Like it's, it's taking the action. Yeah, the step-by-step. Step. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted step. to chime in on because it is, it does get down in the weeds a little bit. And I think, I think it's important to kind of start to maybe just formulate a little roadmap for yourself. And I want to circle it back to what Tomer said originally, because it's easy to get overwhelmed with the, all the choices of different tools and all the different sort of varieties of approaches. Uh, the best possible thing to do is take a relatively insignificant amount and just start trying these things because right, there's nothing right. stopping you from literally taking $10 of sats and moving it to one wallet do a receive, do a send, try the next one, do a receive, do a send, set it up, see what that experience is. You know, there were several different um, apps mentioned, sort of phone app wallets. And the the one thing I wanted to chime in on, on you know, Moon was mentioned and, and Blue Wallet. Um, some of these things are custodial and some of them are non-custodial. And to me, that that's an important thing to just consider when you're using these things is... Um, sometimes, you know, something is made really convenient just for the sake of less technical friction for a new user. Um, right. and when it comes to Bitcoin though, if you're, if you're on your journey learning about Bitcoin, you know that there's a certain point at which you actually control Bitcoin on the network. And, and that's something that you're going to want to strive for. You're going to want to get there. So if you well, start out with a moon a wallet, card. I okay, awesome. Card. But, well, so, but, I, so, I, I, but I stopped there because, and I even right. set it up, but I haven't put any money in it or because it just is like that next step. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So, so. You okay. Kind Sorry. Of like, I, I hate to jump in TC, but I'm just going to say, set up your cold card, get an address and I'll send you $10 with Bitcoin to that address. Just as yeah. an incentive. All right. Just withdraw Let's a tiny, tiny amount, tiny amount. Uh, hell yeah. Thank you for being a Swan customer. Just withdraw a tiny amount, like 10 or $50 worth. And, and you, when you see it happen, you'll be like, oh, I was, I didn't need to be afraid of that. Hey, Alex, I just like, wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to add one other thing. Go, you probably already have, but if you're a visual learner or if your kids are visual learners you, and you probably already found it, but you know, the video, I learned a ton from watching BTC sessions videos on YouTube. So uh, that that's a tremendous resource and he's covered 100%. literally everything we've talked about, literally everything we've talked about. He's also step by video. step. He literally yeah. shows you step by step what to do. He's one of the best okay. resources in the community. Okay. I know I, it's so time. I told myself when the kids went back to school, I would book some time and I would just, 
but you know, it's just like everyone said, it's just scary. It's just, it's a little bit scary. So it's only I, I scary until you do the first one. Listening to, listening to, to, to where you are, I actually think it would be a good intermediary step to use something like a blue wallet because the interface on it and the visual of it and being able to just see it. And also for the, this, this use case of, um, doing it with your kids, you could just create right. one, two, three wallets and you could put their names on, on each respective wallet. You get an actual 12 word seed phrase for each wallet that you generate. And you can just see the amount there and you can cycle through dollars or sats or BTC units. And, and just for playing around, that might be a, fir- a, a good first step that might just kind of like rip off the bandaid as far as actually moving some value somewhere where you can easily see it and you can kind of like get a feel for, oh, wow, I just generated a seed phrase and I just used the receive address. And and this is one of the things I think about the cold card that does make it a little bit um, more of a slightly advanced use case is that if you're just using the device itself, you can do everything right on the device, but you're dealing with that tiny little screen. And until you incorporate some software that kind of gives you an, a more enhanced interface, it might be a little bit trickier there. But but I, I, I think that you should absolutely just dive in and just start messing around with five or ten bucks worth of sats. There's there's really very little risk there at that point, And you're going to realize at a certain point that it's all extremely doable and accessible. Do you I know if you... I'm sorry, Shane. I have something that I wanted to add that I think is actually really, really, really important for your kids. The reason you're afraid now, the reason why so many people in the audience are afraid now, is we've spent our whole life having people hold our hands and not let us go independently to do anything. By letting your kids do this at this young age that they're at, they're going to overcome this fear and build this awareness that they can be self-responsible and self-accountable for something at a young age so that they won't end up as old as, as we are and have this tremendous feeling of hesitancy and anxiety in taking control of our own lives. This, is, this whole sense of dependency is a really unhealthy mental state to be in. It's a lack of self-esteem and self-confidence. And by letting your kids do this, even if they lose all the money, then they learn the responsibility of storing their money, and they learn, and they learn how to do it right the second time or the third time. That it's was so. It's so important. You know, that like was the other day, so I, good. I, one I one sec. Like, I just wanna. I just yeah. wanna add before we before we go. That's Popper Toma wisdom right there. Like MVP for the day. Go ahead, I yeah. Well, I tried to give my son ten dollars the other day for his allowance, and he literally said to me, "Mom, I don't want cash. Just put it on my green light card." And it was such a light bulb moment for me, right? He's 13. And I'm like, of course he doesn't want cash. Like it all is going to be electronic. So then I started thinking, okay, maybe this is a journey that I do with my kids, right? So I, I appreciate this conversation very much. Thank you. Hey, Alex, awesome. can I quickly jump in um, with a yeah. layered situation? When I first discovered Bitcoin Twitter, I didn't have a hardware wallet or a signing device, however you want to refer to it. I what I am still am complete, uh, you know, I'm not a tech guy. But what happened was I started using Moon Wallet and I treated a small amount of sats in Moon Wallet as if, you know, it was a, a larger amount. I, I, I practiced taking down um, 12 words and, and what have you. 
And then from then, if you if you download Blue Wallet, you can send from Moon Wallet to Blue Wallet in in different ways. Obviously, Lightning on chain and what have you. And once the rep, once you and then you might sort of speak with some friends. They'll download a Moon Wallet. You can practice with Lightning, generating QR codes or copy and pasting. Um, you know all the various ways. And all I'm saying is, Elia, if I can do it. Anyone on the planet can do it. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that I struggle to do on a computer. And Bitcoin Twitter, I think sometimes they just forget how smart they are. They forget how smart they are. Um, so it can be super, super intimidating. Um, but it, it's really easy once you, you know, you know how. Um, and have I got a chance to just make another point, Alex, or... Yeah, go ahead. Let me let me quickly say before you do though. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate your courage coming up and saying what you said. Not everybody has the balls to do that. So well hey, done, sir. Hey, Alex, I'm telling you this now. Bitcoin, they say about staying humble. It will humble you and you will I I've got no qualm with my ego and admitting in front of I don't care if it's a thousand people, ten thousand people, I will say. I found Almost a hundred thousand people a month, but please continue. Oh, well, no, sorry, sorry, I wasn't referring just to to Swan. I just mean in general. If I was speaking to you know, however many. People. No, this show, this show. I don't know if you guys realize that because it's a podcast. Some people, some hang out live. Some people pop in and then leave, and then their podcast downloads total is approaching a yeah, yeah. hundred thousand people a month. Please continue. Yeah, well, well deserved. I didn't mean you know particularly Swan. I just whatever the situation I was speaking to people. I have no qualm in admitting how intimidating I found it. I mean, I was speaking to people and they were saying, you need to hold your own keys. And I was thinking, oh my goodness. But anyway, the point I'm making is without a shadow of a doubt, if I can do it, you will do it. And there's incredible people who will help you along the way. But just a, a quick point I, I really would like to make is in regards to communication and spreading the message. I couldn't believe a guy the other day um, I think his handle, I think it's uh, Johnny uh, Mnemonic. You'll find it on my uh, page somewhere. But he created a small video of Michael Saylor talking. And all he did, put some music in the background and, uh, you know, a few different slides. And what amazed me is he, he had the same video for 10 months and it only got 10,000 views. But as soon as he added a bit of music and some slides in the background. It's had half a million views, and it's been retweeted, um, you know, even by Michael Saylor. So to anyone listening, if you are good with technology, putting video, video editing and what have you, don't underestimate in this day and age of people who, people are on Instagram, they're on TikTok, you know, we, I, I will happily listen to the whole Breed Love Sailor series for 40 hours with no music and I love concentrating. But you've got to remember, we're trying to spread a message and some people might not sort of have the inclination to go as hardcore down the rabbit hole as some of we do. And a 10-minute clip with some sort of quirky slides and a bit of music can keep their attention in this day and age. All right. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna pause you there because we're gonna keep moving. We've got a ton of people asking to come up right now, so thank you for coming up. Thank you for sharing. Do appreciate that. Oh hell yeah! Did you get your question answered properly? Yes, thank you guys. Okay, we're gonna take you guys off and we're gonna keep rolling. Joe Kupcha, good morning. 
Hey, good morning, uh, Alex, Terrence, Tomer. How you doing? Outstanding. Thank you, sir. Hey, um, I wanted to mention uh, I consider myself a uh, semi-professional uh, orange pillar. And uh, the number one question that I get asked uh, when I start talking about Bitcoin, and, and I, I try to give the soft touch approach, I don't hard sell, is the first question is always, well, it's not backed by anything. Um, and I used to say, well, neither is the dollar. And they'd argue with me. And, and uh, I listened to uh, Mark Moss, and he came up with the best answer that I've ever heard. His comeback when they say, well, it's not backed by anything. And he says, well, who backs gold? And then when I do that, people look at me like, well, what do you mean? I go, gold's the underlying asset. So nothing backs it, just rarity. And that's what. Yeah, that's damn good. But Bitcoin is. Bitcoin's, yeah, Bitcoin's the underlying asset. So now when people tell me, well, it's not backed by anything, I say, well, what backs gold? And I think that gets the message across a lot better than, uh, you know, the old, well, the dollar's not backed by gold anymore, you know, and you get you go down that rabbit hole. So that's my new approach. Um, uh, this, the second thing is I call it the, uh, the, the barbecue pitch. You know, we all heard about the elevator pitch where you have like three minutes to sell your idea or you lose them. Um, if I go out to a barbecue or a, a class reunion or something, I, I have minutes to kind of get my point across and then people start wandering off or uh, the approach doesn't work. But I find that the hardest thing is to get machine gun questions, you know, like someone will ask, hey, Joe, uh, what is Bitcoin? So you start to tell them what Bitcoin is and then suddenly someone jumps in and says, how's it work? And then, so you switch over to trying to describe. Yeah, you need you need you need to get good at at sound bites, short, succinct, yeah. like thirty second. Bam, 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 bam. This is how. That's why that Mark Moss one comeback is friggin' fantastic. Well, what backs gold? I'm gonna steal that. That's great. All right. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? Do you have a question or something else, Joe? We're gonna keep moving. Nope. Nope. You can keep moving. I just wanted to. All throw right. Thanks, that man. Out. Good um, to see you, Joe. Who's, who's next? We've got two Jameses up here. I don't even know. Hi, guys. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you uh, for the space. I think this is a fantastic environment to share and learn the knowledge of blockchain. Um, my name is James Roop. I'm an educator for blockchain technology. I work with uh, UNLV. That I live in Las Vegas. Um, I also um, create educational content, and uh, we're focusing on the application of blockchain specifically with a human component. Uh, so we are looking at how blockchain networks work and we're evaluating how the human does when they interact with these networks and we're creating research papers to kind of help people understand the technology at a deeper level. Um, there's a big movement going on, so we just want people to be safe when they enter the space. Uh, we're huge Bitcoin lovers, Bitcoin fans, um, building that uh, secure environment of value. And so I just wanted to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to pause you right there. Do you have a question? Um, no, just wanted to say thank you for the space. Uh, I think it's a wonderful yep. space. I, I love to see okay. it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for coming up, man. appreciate the kind words. James, the other James is next. Go ahead. Do you have a question? Yeah, I do. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Alex, Homer, uh, Terrence. Uh, I have a question, uh, kind of on the previous, um, the previous topic, uh, wicked everyone as well. Shane, uh, it's great, great space. DJ, see you down there. What's up? Um, the question about bringing, uh, more 
more normies or, 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 or regular people into the space. This is kind of technical, but I want to bring it back to um, a basic level. And I'm sure anyone who has technical experience, probably more than I do, can answer this. If there is a way to verify the amount of sats sitting on an open dime without revealing the private key, could there be a method in a way where at some point, some iteration of that product could actually be just passed on via merchant or, or customers to merchants and back and forth like cash, where it's almost like bringing the horse and buggy back to the car for a short period of time to get people into this system. So just curiosity out of that, but thanks for the, thanks for the shout out guys. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole, the whole point, point of the open time. Yeah. Go ahead, Tomer. <laughs> no, you, you go ahead. We both were saying the exact same words. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the point of it. It's a bearer instrument for, for Bitcoin. And I mean, yeah, you could, in, envision a, a situation where one bit, uh, one open dime moves across multiple transactions and multiple people before it is eventually, you know, cracked open and spent, so to speak, or swept. You know, I mean, y you can envision situations where a person could travel with a, a, a empty open dime, uh, a, you know, overseas even, uh, verify a purchase that they wanted to make with their own eyes and then have the money uh, transferred in and then handed off. I mean, it's, th there's a bunch of things you can do with the open dime in that regard. And if you haven't heard of it, the sats card is like kind of even the next iteration of that. Cause I think you can use it up to 10 times or something like that. But. So how do you, how do you verify what is on the open dime without cracking it open? Well, you can, plug it into any computer yeah it's got a public it's got a it's got an address on it and you can check any blockchain explorer or any bitcoin blockchain explorer and see what the balance at that address is ah thank you tomer thank you that was my only that was my 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 gray area thank you guys and as well that was that clipped it off guys that's a banger right there thank you guys so much yeah and uh while i have the few seconds the mic thanks alex uh want to bring some signal back into that bullshit blockchain noise it's verified by, by cryptographically secured, verifiable, costly bits. Let's get it right, baby. Bitcoin for the win. Bitcoin, not blockchain. I agree with that 100%. Thanks for that comment. A, a bit of housekeeping. So, so you guys understand. Like, If you request to come up on stage, please ask a question. If you want to come up here and practice your public speaking and tell everybody what you think about Bitcoin and blockchain, save that for a different discussion. This is for beginners today. All right, let's keep moving. Uh... Ghost of Puppertoshi. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Great. Uh, whenever I try to uh, orange pill a friend or somebody, I always kind of get stuck on uh, one question they come back to me at, which I didn't really understand. Um, from what I understand, um, the miners basically secure the network, and the nodes are basically uh, verifying that the transactions are, are correct. So, um, what would stop a bad state actor, maybe Amazon or the government, from just spinning up like 50,000 cheap nodes and uh, verifying incorrect transactions or trying to uh, mess up the network? I love Great question. question. I love Great this question. question. Can I go to answer this question? Yes, go uh, to your, your, your node. <laughs> your node will not accept a single invalid block or a single invalid transaction. So if Amazon spins up 100 billion nodes, uh, and changes the rules on them to increase the block reward. 
and they mine a block that gives them this increased block reward inflating the supply of Bitcoin. They will try to transmit that across the Bitcoin network to, through their billion nodes. And it'll come to your node and your node will say garbage. And so will my node and so will Alex's node and so will Swan's node and so will Wicked's node and so will Terrence's node. And all the work that they did to spin up that billion nodes and put all that mining energy into finding a block that broke the rule is completely wasted. And, and that's, like, that's what's so important about everybody maintaining their own nodes and verifying their own uh, that th the rules aren't being broken by anybody else because you enforce the rules and so do I and so does everybody else and as long as we are enforcing the rules anyone who tries to break them is wasting their money and wasting their energy and wasting their time yeah Bitcoin is very cheap to secure and very expensive to attack I posted in the nest um to promote myself, but also because I quote tweeted Bitcoin is saving because uh, that's Pierre Richard's, um, I guess, official sort of handle. Um, he doesn't follow me on that one side so of quote tweet, but the real security budget is how much it costs us to use a node. The higher the budget, the less decentralization and the less secure the network is, meaning um, you don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars to spin up a node. So Bitcoin, by having the layer one simple and small, it's much cheaper to run a node, a full node valid that validates all your transactions and other people's than it is on the other blockchains. Got it. So essentially, they can run up 10,000, 40,000 nodes, um, start uh, giving bad fan transactions that don't, that, you know, maybe 10% of the network has the honest nodes. And even though they have the majority of the nodes running, that 10% is still only validating the correct chain. So essentially, they would be forking off a shitcoin. Is that right? That's exactly what all the forked shitcoins are, in fact, right? <laughs> there, someone changed the rule and made bigger blocks, for example, or made 10 times as many coins or whatever. And, and they're broadcasting on the same internet that your Bitcoin node is on. And your Bitcoin node is looking at those things and saying, ah, that's garbage. I'll disconnect from this other node. Great. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for coming up. By the way, in the same vein, sometimes people ask about what would it take to 51% to attack the, the Bitcoin network. Here's a really interesting tidbit of info. Um, you would have to buy $36 billion worth of hardware at the cheapest cost possible. The exact number is $36 billion, $37 million, $140,436 worth of ASIC hardware, which by the way, you couldn't do if you wanted to try to do that. That little tidbit comes from Good Guy Biker. Go ahead. Not Wicked. only that, but you'd have to do it in secret because if you did it publicly, then we would all know what you're trying to do and then we would just fucking block you. <laughs> so like... Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's even more like difficult than just getting the the hardware. You have to do it in secret, which is extra impossible. And then, even if you are successful in doing something like that, you have to do it in perpetuity. Right. Yeah, that's the other of thing. Proof of work. Yeah, you have to actually fucking spend electricity. To, Let's to say you you did fifty one percent attack one block. That doesn't matter. Like you have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And then on top of that, you know, the only thing you can really do when you 51% attack is 
you know, not include transactions or double spend uh, previous transactions that, that you had spent before. It's not like you can just all of a sudden spend people's Bitcoin. You can't. Like, that's not what a 51% attack is. So even if this did happen, you know, and you had some UTXOs that you were just storing value in and you weren't spending, you wouldn't be affected at all. So like this, you know, th this attack is very limited in what it can actually do anyways. Any follow-up thoughts? Ah, oh, that gentleman stepped down. All right, cool. This has been exciting and fun for me. I love these. Like, <laughs> it takes me back to our roots of, of Cafe Bitcoin where we used to just do a bunch of beginner Q&A type stuff. So I think it's appropriate that for episode 200, we're back to our roots. The These sessions energize me more than anything else we talk about. I love this. Do we have anything from the, oh, by the way, the Telegram group, a lot of these, like um, when Ahelia came up and she asked her question, there was a ton of people uh, giving responses as well in Telegram. Um, and you can join that group by going to t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club, t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. If you ask a question in there, I bet you there are a ton of people in there that will also help you. And that is available 24 hours a day. So if you can't ask the question live once a day when we do the live show, then you can you can do it in there as well, anytime. Uh, this is coming in from Telegram. This is from Pat. Are there any wallets you guys don't recommend? Chivo. Um. <laughs> So it's easier to come up with a list of wallets we recommend and then other Bitcoiners may have others. But besides Blue Wallet and Moon, M-U-U-N, there's like Green Wallet and um, a couple others that are I'm blanking on, but maybe others. I think it's better to whitelist than to have a bunch that you blacklist. But basically, if you haven't heard of it, and unless um, people that are more trustworthy in Bitcoin are, are talking about it, don't put it money on it unless it's money you can afford to to lose but i would say that of all software wallets right like even moon wallet or blue wallet don't put money on more than you can afford to lose or willing to lose because they can be attacked 24 7 in theory because it's an app right so. uh, okay so i've got a couple responses to this the first one is you know any wallet that can support shit coins is a big red flag. So like that's like an NO, right? If it's a software wallet, if it's a hardware wallet, if it supports anything other than Bitcoin, then it has other attack vectors and is a shitcoin wallet. <laughs> um, that's number so, one. So Exodus, don't use Exodus. for example. Yeah, Exodus is a fucking <laughs> shitcoin wallet. I mean, even Ledger, even Ledger at this point as, as a signing device, I think is a shitcoin wallet or shitcoin signing device. Um, that's trash. And then, yeah, and then my 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 second point, you know, as long as much as we want to, you know, kind of promote uh, using cold storage and signing devices, and, and we know that they're safer in, in in you know many aspects, the truth is that um, I don't think there's any official record of a a hot wallet like Blue Wallet, for example, ever being actually you know, ever actually being hacked. So, uh, you know, cold, cold wallets and cold signing devices are, or cold storage in general, are, are obviously safer. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it, we don't need to scare people away from hot wallets, especially people who maybe can't afford a cold wallet. You know, I mean, they just want to be self-sovereign. Um, th there's actually, as far as I know, no 
real instances of those being hacked. So like, you know, we're just being like <laughs> tinfoil hatty a little bit kind of. Um, and, you know, I mean, maybe you get to a certain level where you have enough Bitcoin and you're like, okay, well, you know, there's a reason to be tinfoil hatty. Like I want to really be self-sovereign in this extra step of a way where I'm not even on the internet with my you know private keys. But the truth of the matter is, you know, a hot wallet's going to be more than enough secure for, you know, a beginner who's, who's just starting to experiment with this. Hey, so I, I wanted to ask you guys, I just posted a nest. Um, I think I remember it like Electrum, Sparrow, Spectre, Moon, Blue, Green. Are there any other software wallets that you guys think are okay? Is any of those on that list bad? Bitcoin Core is a pretty good wallet. Oh, that's Samurai? Forgot, of course. Samurai Wasabi. Yes. I'm surprised Bitcoin Core doesn't have a mobile version yet. Are they working on that? Yeah. All right, let's um, let's move on. If that is satisfied, uh, Bitcoin Sanity is next. Good morning and welcome. Hey there. Um, can you guys talk just a little bit about beneficiary issues, such as if uh, if I have a bunch of Bitcoin, I've got it, uh, you know, saved away on my Trezor, got my keys in the safe somewhere hidden, and then I die or traumatic brain injury, something like that. Can you guys just kind of touch base on some of the basics on that? I don't know that anybody up here is super qualified to talk about that, except for maybe Terrence. We did do a show dedicated to that subject. If you go look at our podcast history, we did episode one of inheritance planning, and we're going to be doing a monthly episode where we've got two of the best guys in the industry on that topic. But Terrence, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So um, you can hire less expensive trust lawyers, these trust and estates lawyers, the, the really good ones that if for anything complicated, they're going to want you to pay a lot. So it's usually only worth it if you have a net worth of at least $20 million, at least for U.S. trust and estates lawyers. However, there are less expensive ones you can hire for two to 5000 um, The issue is they don't necessarily understand complexity or the prices will go way up pretty quickly. And also you have to, with these flat fee services, you have to be your own best advocate, which back to Tomer's point, being responsible and self-accountable is a scary thing, but you should do it. So with these uh, flat fee services, you want to um, ask questions, make sure your interests are understood and it's clear to you what's going on instead of just relying on your lawyer because lawyers talk in legalese. And then um, you can that's good for something simple, though I don't necessarily understand Bitcoin, so that can be an issue if you're a Swan private client of Alex or myself or, or anyone else. That's one we can we can give you extra help. So, for example, I can get on a phone call with these lawyers for at least for the first one to help them get going straight, and then not advice, but you know, kind of be a gut check um, when you get your final trust. What you want to do is have a trust to avoid probate. So, so let me step back a second. You can. Definitely list uh, your kids or whoever you want to be a beneficiary, whether you're at Swan or buying from a competitor of ours, buying Bitcoin. Then, But then to avoid probate, what you're supposed to do is put it in a trust, which can cost a few thousand dollars. So it's not going to be worth it for everybody. I will say that there have been ways for people to get their Bitcoin to their kids um, on their passing or whoever their, their beneficiary is. And still avoid probate, but that usually involves convincing, right? Someone like um, our head of customer service or 
that of another competitor and say, you know, your kid would say, like, here's a death certificate. I'm the beneficiary. Give me my Bitcoin. And sometimes they'll do it. They're not supposed to do it. It's supposed to go to probate, which is a public process. And the last thing I'll wrap up is probate is not great if you value privacy for your loved ones because in th- in some states, you can just call them up and say, hey, I'm a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. I want you know, the, um, the probate results or, um, information for what happened to this estate. And then this, uh, you know, when the person died and they'll give you a, you know, a document that contains the social security (laughs) numbers and birth dates of these, all the people who inherited money uh, from you. Also the assets, right? If I'm not mistaken, that they they will know what assets are transferred. Yes. So so if you privacy, it, it, from a security standpoint, from an OPSEC standpoint, pro, probate. Okay, if we're right, like if some of the the more well, let's let's. <laughs> there's the funny subject is that some people call it less bullish, more whatever. Some people think that Bitcoin's got to go to go to a million dollars a coin. Some people think it'll go to five, ten, and even higher. If that is the case, do you want a public document out there saying your kid has this much uh, Bitcoin? That that could be a, secu- uh, a, a an OPSEC issue. So does that answer your question? I mean, it also, you no, can that's go check a good, out. that's a good start. Um, what about if you just went down the down and dirty route and you didn't have any lawyers or any, any official documents, yeah. what would be a down and dirty, uh, fundamental way, very basic way to be able to transfer Bitcoin mm-hmm. to somebody if, but, uh, if I yeah. were in an accident or something like that. You can create your own trust, by the way, and I'm not saying I'm going to do this and this is not financial or legal advice, but, um, you know, there's, there's ways like NOLO and others. I'm not, again, you're going to have to do your own research where you can create a trust, a living trust, non-revocable probably is what you want, non-revocable, or I'm sorry, revocable living trust. Um, and also one other thing to think about, again, there's lots of options, but I know specifically in CASA, I know CASA does this as well, but Unchained will help facilitate basically getting if if you you know put bitcoin on a multi-sig vault on unchained um, they will any and you have a trust they will make sure that that bitcoin is is um if you will associated with that trust so that's another thing to look at all right we're starting to run out of time for the show so we need to wrap this up um I'll, i'll make one one final comment is a lot of times people conflate the two issues of inheritance from a legal standpoint and actual logistics, which is a governance issue, meaning how do we, how do we do it? Like how do we actually transfer the Bitcoin? Those are two different things as far as the, the, the law is concerned. And it's important to understand both. Those are two different things. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, also, if you want to, October 12th is when we did the Bitcoin inheritance planning episode. If you go check our, our, our uh, podcast feed, you can find the one from October 12th that goes, um, it's the first episode, so it starts talking about structures and a lot of other kind of stuff. But we will continue to expand on that as we go. Uh, let's go to Frankie, and then we will move to yeah, to, to wrap the show. Good morning, Frank. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you so much. Uh, I just had a quick question uh, regarding running a note. Uh, if there's some time to answer that. Just wanted to know, like, uh, the amount of... Um, liquidity in terms of Bitcoin that would be kind of like, you know, suggested in, uh, for running a note. And um, uh, as soon as that is answered, uh, you know, uh, would you like uh, need to run the 
not only for verifying your own transactions or would you need to uh, keep it on for like a 24-7? I, I was kind of like through the documentation and that and uh, it was like uh, that caught my attention that uh, you would need to run run your node for 24-7 pretty much. But I uh, just wanted to, you know, have some query on that. Thank you so much. I can try to take this one on. So there's um there's kind of two nodes at this moment in time. There's a you know a a, a a layer one node, which is just the normal Bitcoin node, and then more commonly now there's the Lightning node, right? Which is a layer two, um, and sometimes they're packaged together, like with Umbral. So a lot of people run an Umbral node, which has both the the core and the um, Lightning node kind of bundled in one. Now, you don't need any liquidity to run just a normal Bitcoin node. Um, that's just a piece of software you can run. It downloads the blockchain, and then it verifies every you know, block and transaction coming in um, in perpetuity, right? And along with that, you can then uh, you know, validate any transactions you receive um, to your cold storage or, or elsewhere uh, with a Lightning node. Sorry, let me backtrack. With with the Bitcoin node, that doesn't need to be on all the time. Um, you can just you can turn it on whenever you want to validate a transaction. It will you know it will have to download every block that it's missed while it's been off before you can validate anything. But once it gets caught up, then you can validate and you can turn it back off if that's what you want to do. With a Lightning Network node, that needs to be on twenty four seven. That needs to be connected to the network and watching you know uh, uh, all the channels that you have online um, at all times and and lightning network nodes also you know if you're using them need the liquidity so maybe that's uh, i don't i don't know if you were referring to a lightning network node specifically when you were talking about liquidity um, but with a with a normal bitcoin node you don't need any liquidity to to run it and use it to validate transactions you could run a bitcoin node without owning any bitcoin correct Did that answer your question, Frank? Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, and a quick thing on the um, <clears throat> how often do you have to have it up? You don't have to run it twenty four seven. The thing to understand though is, if you shut it off, when you turn it back on, it's going to take some time to resync and download all the blocks that it missed while it was sleeping. Basically, the when you want it on is when you're transmitting a transaction. So if you want to transmit a transaction from your own node instead of relying upon a third party's node, which is kind of like going to a bank and saying, well, you wire my money for me. If you want to do it yourself, you need that node on. All right. I think we're good to go. Um, I want to thank all the speakers today, all the regulars who hang out up here. You guys do an amazing job. I love you guys. So smart. Know so many things about Bitcoin and all of the um, the people who have come up from the audience and asked, I appreciate you guys too for having the courage to do so. I know it can be nerve-wracking maybe sometimes for people who have never done it before. But we will continue to be kind to you guys. And um, you know we do appreciate your questions because you're not the only person wondering that, I promise you. There are tons and tons of people who are wondering the exact damn thing. And maybe they're nervous to come you know, ask the question. So thank you for doing that. Um, that's all part of being on the mission. So. Love all of that. Uh, that is a wrap. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Uh, we do this every single day, Monday through Friday. Um, we start at 7 a.m. Pacific. 
10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours, talk about lots of things that have to do with Bitcoin. It's a great place to learn about Bitcoin, the place for your morning news. Prefer to hang out for some of the smartest minds in the industry. Um, we do it live on Twitter Spaces. If you can't catch it live, it is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. If you boost us on Fountain, we will read your boost on the show. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of this show. My crew, Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob. I am your host, Alex Danzig. I work with Swan Bitcoin. And if you want to know more about Swan, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help you. Oh, also, this is a promo that, that Jacob wanted me to mention. Almost missed it. Join us tomorrow for the Pacific Bitcoin kickoff stream. We're going to be having a live show on YouTube and Spaces with some killer guests. It's going to be hosted by Simply Bitcoin. Uh, everybody's going to be there. Preston Pish, Corey Clifton, James Laver, CJ Wilson, Will Reeves from Fold, myself, and many, many more. We're going to be doing kit, ticket giveaways, games, lots of cool things. And um, Nico, thanks for doing that, man. You are the boss. All right. Thanks again to the speakers. Appreciate you guys. Everybody who participates in this community. I know some people don't like calling in community, but I do. I don't care. Get on the mission. If, if you don't know what that means, hang out. You'll figure it out. I love all of you guys. Have a great day. Go out there and crush it. <laughs>